Painted Arrow Podcast, committed to taking you beyond the pursuit. Alrighty, howdy, and welcome to another episode of the Painted Arrow Podcast. It is December 13th, and we had a really exciting new video that we just posted. Devin, what's what's that about? Well, if you have followed along at all, you know about Nate's, um, the deer Nate's been chasing since last December, so a full year ago. A buck, a buck by the name of the Holy Spirit. We've deemed, we've deemed him the Holy Spirit anyway. And we, uh, we just released a full kind of documentary on the story behind that deer. Um, and yeah, that's live on the YouTube channel. I think it went up about nine days ago. So if you've listened to the podcast or you, you know, you followed along in any way and you haven't seen that video yet, go, go give it a, give it a look, hit the like button, subscribe, do all the, do all the things. It helps us out. It helps other people find the video, and uh, and yeah, we're we're just excited to. It's kind of kind of our first first big release, first big video that we've uh, that we've put out. So we welcome the feedback, and and uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Yeah, we definitely welcome the feedback. That uh, if you uh, let's just say you're the you're a first time listener and you're just now listening to this podcast, the Holy Spirit Buck, as Devin said, is a deer that. Uh, had a lot of had a lot of really cool history with um on December 23rd last year was looking for property ended up seeing this deer while walking a property that sold the property that's currently where I'm residing and living and uh yeah that deer went down on the first day of the season really incredible story um had a lot of different footage from that deer not necessarily from the hunt but even before that which made it really cool a lot of cool tra- uh, trail camera photos videos and um just a super super slammer michigan deer and um actually going to get this thing officially scored this week which is pretty exciting and um we got to do something with that Devin. maybe have some like post a video or something on our instagram and be like hey whoever can uh get the closest to the final score maybe they win like a t-shirt or something like that what do you think yeah i think that's a good idea we'll give away a t-shirt or a hat or something for closest score um closest score to the eighth i love that i got a really good idea i just had a really good idea you're gonna see it later on instagram Devin. so okay um another quick plug yeah so definitely check that video out Devin. I mean, there's Devin did the majority. I'm gonna say the majority. He did all of the video editing. Okay, I was more the critic, and Devin was the brains behind the operation, and he did a stellar job. I think um, we have our. This is like our first real production, like he said, and this is more of like a documentary style um, video. And mm-hmm. we had some some cool feedback from some of our listeners and friends that you know it kind of showed that it was almost like a live podcast, more of like a documentary style. A lot of detail, um, things that you wouldn't you wouldn't get on a normal just hunting video that just catches the kill, and it, it kind of goes through more of that. It goes into detail, so really excited about that. Um, another quick plug we're going to make, we have some pretty dope painted arrow patch cap ball caps that you can get on our website now. 
and I mean, believe me, folks, we're not making a, a whole bunch of money on this, but <laughs> <laughs> believe me. But yeah, it's it's just a really cool hat. It's a way that you can support us. Um, if you if you've been following along with what we do, um, we just want to get our name out there and our logo out there. And these are pretty pretty high end caps, and uh, we can um, we can fill those orders relatively quick. So if you're interested in that, go to our website, PaintedAirOutdoors dot com, and you just click on the shop. And there's only a couple hats in there, but pretty awesome. Um, like I said, go on check it out and. Uh, I think that's all the selling that we're really going to do today, but we had to make that, that plug. Got to. So, uh, Devin, what are we going to talk about today? Well, you know, I'm sitting here and it's like you said, it's December 13th. Um, by, by and large, well, it's, yeah, it's December 13th when we're recording this. Um, by and large, you know, the seasons, you know, it's on, it's 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 nearing its end of the haze in the barn, so to speak. I mean, there's definitely still late season opportunities, but you know, the the allure of the rut and you know what what most people would, I guess, classify as deer season, quote unquote, is 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 past. So, I think it's just a cool opportunity and time to to reflect on you know different encounters we've had this season, how we thought the season went, successes, failures, uh, things you learned all that kind of thing. And specifically, you know, I wanted to ask you in front of everybody um, to kind of reflect on your first season uh, on the painted arrow acres on your, on your farm that you bought. Um, as you said, you, you looked at this farm for the very first time uh, on December 23rd of 2020. And like I said, here we are in December 13th of 2020, 21. Not only do you own the farm and have renovated the house, but you were able to, uh, harvest the deer that that was a big contributing factor to you even buying the farm so I think it'd be cool for you to just kind of reflect on you know t- tell me a little bit about what you um, what it was like hunting hunting that farm for the first year um, some things you know yeah just reflect on it let's let's hear what what uh what the 2021 season was like for you on Painted Arrow Acres yeah so I mean I, I think it's easy for me to say that I mean my number one goal you and I, I think the reason we get along so well is because we're so goal oriented. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's no secret again, if you've been listening, but the number one goal for this season was to shoot that deer, the Holy spirit buck. Um, and so I guess when I look at it through that lens, I mean, (laughs) shot at the first handful of minutes of legal light, you know, of the season on October 1st. So, I mean, from that lens, it was a great season. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. sitting here on December 23rd, I've actually personally taken four deer off the farm. Um, I shot the Holy spirit on October 1st. I shot, um, I hunted really hard actually come, you know, late October and through the couple first weeks in November. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I mean, everybody's in the woods usually in that time, but I mean, I was hunting hard. I hunted every single day of November up until the opener and um on not october on november 15th the opening day for rifle season shotgun season um in the lower part of michigan uh i i took a a really nice i thought it was way bigger <laughs> um but i took a nice 2 year old off the farm i probably would have passed it if i i think i had passed that buck in uh bow season had a pretty good encounter at 35 yards with him um, but I'm not quite sure if it, if it was that same deer or not. I couldn't, I couldn't quite 
tell looking back at the videos, but um, shot another good buck. Like I said, on, on that morning, he ended up being just a nice eight point. And then, um, you know, after that into December here, I've shot um, a couple, couple of doe for some family and uh, neighbors just wanting some meat. But, um, you know, I, I wrote a couple things down here because I knew we were going to be talking about this. One, uh, one thing that that I, that I guess I really, I, I was, there's a couple things when I'm going into the season, I really wanted to look out for, um, you know, one of them, I, I really wanted to try. I thought that I had a good opportunity for accessing, um, I guess stepping back even further. I didn't know if, if the morning hunt or the evening hunt was going to be better. Right. Um, I had my mm-hmm. ideas. I kind of, kind of had an idea. This would be a morning property. Um, this property is by far, by far, um, a morning property. Um, we'll get a lot of, um, first thing in the morning, late, late morning movement. Um, not a whole bunch during the middle of the day, but the way that this property lays out, um, I mean, I've shot three of those four deer all in the morning, both of the bucks in the morning and, uh, just a lot of great movement that goes on. So that's kind of one thing that I validated that I, um, that I jotted down here. The other thing is, you know, you hear, you hear a lot of people, um, Jeff Sturgis talks about this quite a bit about certain stands accessing it just after first light. Right. Um, and the mm-hmm. way that certain f- food plots or su- certain, um, terrain features would line. I thought that I had a good opportunity to make some of those moves. And, um, it turns out that it, I mean, I bumped deer every single time I tried to actually walk out um, in the light, like right at first light, um, to a couple of my stands. And, you know, I don't know if it's lack of experience or just, you know, not hunting this property, but, um, that proved to be super wrong of an approach. Uh, two times, I think, I think one time I actually bumped a buck. Um, cause when, when they blow, you can definitely hear the difference in the blowing. And I didn't actually get to see this deer, but I heard it blow and it sounded like a, you know, mature deer. Um, so again, I guess that's the second thing that I kind of jotted down here, and I'm sure you're going to have some questions after this last one, but, um, the other thing too, that I was really worried about the way that this property lines up is I was worried about like just general access overall. And, uh, dude, I get, I get so stressed like in the morning, like I'll, I'll be, I'll now go, I'm going hunting in the morning. I'll, I'll wake up early in the morning, you know, do my routine. And I'll like stress out about bumping deer on the walk-in on a morning hunt. It really stresses me out. Cause I mean, we're hunting small, you know, small parcels. And if you bump a buck off your property, I mean, it's not going to come back. I mean, for the most part, unless it's during the rut and they're just out of their mind and there's a hot doe. But for the most part, when you're walking down the strip of your property and if you bump deer, that, that could be the difference of seeing deer that morning or not. And, yep. um, I was really stressed out because I got a, I mean, I'm a one trick pony on my property. I have a certain path that I get to the back of the property and it's really long and narrow. And I think a lot of people, I mean, you're in the same situation, but if you bump deer, it can really, really play an effect on your hunt. And, um, so, you know, I had this notion and it kind of proved true the very first day of the season on October 1st, I got up earlier than I ever have in the past. I mean, I, every single hunt this year that I did in the morning, I was probably sitting in the dark for an hour and a half, uh, before first light. 
like before legal shooting light. So an hour and a half, I was getting out there. Um, I did a lot of saddle hunting, um, lots of setup time, you know, kind of getting up there quiet. Just, it, I like to take my time. Right. So that was one thing that I was actually surprised with that I didn't bump very many deer when I got up at the right times and approached. Um, and I think that shows that it's more of a morning property. These, these deer are not accessing and moving in a way that allows me to bump them because they're still in that transition of being in the, you know, the ag fields and feeding and kind of coming into those buffer areas and then actually coming into a, a bedding type area. And, um, I, to my surprise, I did not bump a whole bunch of deer on my walks in in the morning. I mean, I definitely did, but I mean, my ratio from the past until now, like, in, you know, previous seasons, I was, uh, that's one thing that's really stuck out to me is that I actually didn't bump as many deer as I have in the past. And I attribute a lot of that to getting up earlier and just being more dialed. But I think also on the, on the heels of that, that comes a lot of, uh, relieved, um, time constraint in the morning, like trying to fumble around and get your gears. Like I'm not driving to my hunting location anymore. I'm walking out my back door and that plays a big part, I think in that whole overall approach in those morning hunts. So I guess yeah, those are my sure. three things that I kind of jotted down knowing that you might've asked some things around that, but. Yeah. So you, I mean, looking at it a year after laying your eyes on this property, like what was it, what you thought it would be hunting that type of property? You talking about the CRP mainly? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hunting the CRP, you don't correct if I'm wrong, you don't have any really food source on your, on your property. It's basically a lot of bedding some timber, some swamp, um, but no real food sources. Yeah. So 66 acres, right? Um, 66 acres, over 50 of that is CRP. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, the kind of the approach, I mean, the the way that the property lies out, there's, there's a handful of intersections that are just very blatant and obvious. Like, you know, when, they, when deer travel, excuse me, when deer travel through this property, they're usually hugging some type of cover, the pro- the property boundaries where there's tree lines and things like that. Um, some of the CRP is not as tall as other locations. There's kind of a swampy area where it can get easily up to 10 feet high. Um, and you can't see deer. I mean, you could sit in a, in a ground blind up on a hill on a bluff and kind of look into it and you would not know that there's deer in there at any point in time. Mm. Um, you know, it was, it, it's almost kind of what I expected, but in many ways it's different. Like hunting, hunting, like in the middle of the CRP is, is tough to do like on the ground. I feel that if you have a, like, especially with the Holy spirit buck, what I was targeting that one buck, it was not on my priority list to like go and sit in the middle of the CRP on the ground with my bow and a pinch point where I thought a deer might pass because I, I was afraid of, you know, spooking that buck or any good buck. And having that encounter where it didn't end up with me putting an arrow through him, it could really, you'd never see that buck again. I mean, he, he they're not going to stand for that kind of, you know, pressure where you're seeing big creatures that you're not familiar with in their core area. So, you know, I didn't try a lot of that, to be honest with you. Um, the CRP, the deer move through it and really, you know, in ways that benefit them in terms of the wind. Um, so 
you're really limited on certain winds as to where you can hunt just because it's so open, right? And I'm seeing a mm-hmm. lot of first morning movement, a lot of late evening movement that kind of dictates where you can sit on the wind. I mean, I played the wind to a T. I'm I'm over over calculated on the wind personally. Like I don't I don't even take a chance unless I absolutely have to and um I never really had an opportunity to like force it. I always sat with the wind in my favor. Um and maybe there's something to that where I should have probably, but I guess well, I guess what I'm trying to say overall is um it's it's a big bedding area, right? I mean, you can walk through the CRP right now, December thirteenth, and there's 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 bedding everywhere. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to it, but there's just beds speckled all over. Um, some make sense more than others, you know, on certain ridge ridge systems where there's a little bluff and it makes sense to put their back, you know, against it to to put themselves in an advantage. But it it was tough for, to at the beginning to kind of figure out where I could channel. Uh, my efforts and movement of the deer because it just it's just a big bedding area and they they're so smart as to the wind and how they're moving through it that um i think it's a little bit more challenging than i thought overall i thought i was going to have more predictable movement but it's it's just these deer are very smart in the way that they approach the wind you know what i mean yeah so do you think like do you think aside from uh killing a couple deer this year do you feel like you've taking a step forward in terms of understanding the property and like how the deer are using it big time big time you know like you and i discuss quite a bit we we have a passion for you know habitat and food plots and ways that we can improve our properties and again i think that's a whole separate podcast that we're planning on doing but Mm -hmm there's a lot of adjustments that I want to make right now. I, I don't view it as I like past the rut. It, it went real cold. I mean, I, I didn't get hardly, hardly any deer activity, uh, big mature buck activity after November, like 16th. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't very confident going out on the 15th on the morning of the 15th. Um, but they call it that lull and you know, People have different opinions on the lull and everything like that, but it really went cold here. I don't have very much thermal cover. I don't have very um, much bedding for late season. I have really good early season movement. Um, A lot of these mature bucks are just transient that I think that I'm seeing, and I have plans to put in food plot locations as well as uh, bedding in certain locations to strategically have bucks bedding there and... I, I almost wish that I didn't shoot that buck on the first day of the season. I'm not saying I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm glad it happened exactly the way it did, but I pictured, I pictured it happening in like late October and the fact that I knew right where the Holy Spirit was living and I shot him right in on his that, bedroom. Yeah. Like yeah. he was literally going to like, he was probably going to bed maybe 50 yards or less from where I shot him, like for the day. Mm-hmm. And just having that intel and, and uh, the cameras and everything, it made it very poignant on where I should be that morning. And it all worked out perfectly. I mean, it just worked out to absolute T. But, like, I wanted to see if he was going to stick around for the remainder of the season, you know, like what he was going to do. And um, I didn't see very many mature bucks, like, living on the property. And that kind of it's kind of stirring in my brain, in the back of my brain, like I need to create – 
buck bedding. And I have a lot of ideas how we're going to do that. And I know you're going to help me do some of that, Devin, but yeah. I think the other thing too, that, that, I don't know, you should probably realize a little bit is that, you know, he was the big dominant buck in the area and, you know, you removed him from the farm. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, like, I think he probably did a really good job of making sure there weren't a lot of other mature bucks using the property the same way that he was and, and letting it kind of be their area as well. So I think, I think you'll have, I mean, it's such, there's a reason that deer was living there the way that he was for as long as he was in such a predictable way. And I really feel like, you know, now that he's gone, um, as this season went on and as they kind of go back into their predictable patterns that are based on bedding and feeding, um, I think you're going to have, you know, some bigger mature deer calling that property home. I really do. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's definitely a couple deer. There's, there's one deer, um, that I got my eyes on for next season, 2.0, I call him. I think he's definitely the same gene pool as, as the Holy Spirit was. He's a two and a half year old buck. That's just super wide. I mean, just really, really wide. And I can see him being a really, really good deer next year. I've seen, I, I saw that buck. My Lord, I, I saw him a bunch. I mean, he's, the, he's the one deer that I get on trail camera still pretty, pretty frequent. And, um, mm-hmm. he's broke both of his G2s off his tines, his brow tines, like in general, they're literally, they couldn't, they couldn't be more than an inch. Um, hardly any brow tines at all. But just the overall width of the sweeping beams that he has, um, he, he's going to be an impressive deer in a year or two. I'm pretty excited about him. Um, I, I missed a really good buck on um, on the 7th of November. Uh, looking back at some of the trail cam photos, I pulled a bunch of cards lately and just kind of looking back through it. The 6th, 7th, and 8th, 9th of November were by far, um, by far the hottest for big mature buck activity of all hours of the day, just overall on the property. And that could have been just that they were walking on, you know, in front of those cameras. But from that specific Intel, I mean, the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth were just dynamite. I mean, you you couldn't, like I was hunting in certain locations on those days and I got trail camera photos of, of bucks that, you know, if I would have been in that location could have, could have had an opportunity at. And, uh, that was super, I mean, that's, that's really good Intel that I think I'm going to take to next year for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just listened to a podcast with, uh, Don Higgins and a guy, um, a guy asked, they were doing like a seminar and one of the guys asked like, what's, what's one thing that you would, uh, you know, he's, he's seen a lot of 150 inch, 160 inch type deer, but he's wanting to shoot a 200 inch buck. What's, what's one thing that you can do to improve your property? Um, besides, you know, some of the more common things like food plots and things like that. And Don was like, his, his answer was easy. It was stay out of your property, right? Stay out of your property. It's the easiest, cheapest, free, and it requires no energy at all to have big mature deer on your property. It's to devote certain chunks of your, of your property to deer all the time, all the time deer activity. Right. And you know, that really stuck with me. Like, that's one thing that I think I did well this year is that I, I hunted it. I stayed out of my property and I hunted it very meticulously. And, um, I think that paid off a lot. And I think a lot of deer move through the grass that you don't even, you can't even tell. And going into the, into the next year, that's going to be, you know, where we create these 
areas of buck bedding and deer bedding and where we specifically strategically put food sources is going to be a big, big determining factor on uh, how we hunt it next year. So I, I really, I really like that. I mean, big mature deer, they do not want to be pressured. Onyx is the number one GPS hunting app on the market. If you don't have Onyx, I would highly consider trying a free trial where you can get access to all 50 states and all of the mapping features and tools. Onyx allows you to send waypoints to your buddies, see public and private boundary lines, and see where you stand in live time. It also has a new weather feature that allows you to track weather and wind so you can stay on top of your game, literally. It's a no-brainer. If you go on your computer, not your mobile device, to onxmaps.com and use the promo code PAINTEDARROW, you will receive 20% off your elite or premium subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. There's nothing I like doing more than hunting elk in the western states. One of the main challenges of hunting big game species in western states is actually getting a tag. Furthermore, it's actually understanding each state's drawing systems, which can seem like a chore to figure out for beginners. Go Hunt is a company that has figured out how to simplify this obstacle for basic folk like you and me. Go Hunt offers a subscription service called the Insider, which gives you access to the most accurate draw odds, species breakdowns, and strategy articles out there. Before I started using Go Hunt, I would spend hours filing through kill harvest reports and data sheets looking for a good unit to hunt in. And using the Insider has streamlined this process, making it easier and more efficient than ever before. This has allowed me to find a place to go hunt hence the name. Visit GoHunt.com to find out more and to start a free trial with the Insider Subscription Service. Shupex Sporting Goods in Jackson, Michigan has been in the business of selling outdoor equipment for over 30 years. They have over a thousand new and used guns and over 500 new bows for you to choose from. This family-owned and operated company goes above and beyond to make sure that you are taken care of when it comes to buying gear. Use the promo code PAINTEDARROW5 at the checkout and receive 5% off your entire purchase. Yes, that does include guns and bows, folks. Go down to Shoepex today. Yeah, I mean, that's, that makes, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that's one of the things that I'm most eager to do, you know, as the season officially closes out here is, you know, I learned a lot from going with you and doing post-season scouting last year on, on that property before you had bought it. And I think, like, the value that there is to that when sign and rubs and scrapes and trails and all that, all that sign is still really fresh from the rut and from season uh, – I think that's honestly one of the biggest contributors to you killing the Holy spirit. I mean, we, we walked that property and it became painfully evident where that deer was living. Mm. And so, um, you know, I've now having this new chunk of property that I bought so close to season, you know, you and I walked it, but we walked it, you know, mid summer, late summer when there was no sign to be seen. Um, you know, we were mainly just looking for beds and at that point, the beds you're looking for are really going to be indicative of, you know, summer behavior, not necessarily, uh, you know, rut behavior and, and behavior during deer season. So, you know, now being on the backside of the first deer season uh, while owning this property, I'm excited to go do exactly what we did on your property last year 
and just comb through it, walk through it and, and try to see, cause there, honestly, there's parts of my property that one I've never seen, never walked through and didn't hunt this year. And so I think there's going to be a ton of value in going and looking at those areas now, because to your, the, the point you just made, you know, the best thing you can do for certain parts of your property is to just stay out of them. I may find a sign and, and data that suggests that I need to really change some things next year. And I, you know, I've got a lot of ideas on things I want to change. Um, I think that's the thing I'm looking the most forward to is doing uh, honestly late December here, doing some scouting. And then uh, as we get into, you know, February doing some shed hunting and trying to start to pattern these deer. Yeah, no, I guess flipping the question kind of on you, I mean, this is kind of our recap. I mean, there's, like you said, there's definitely season left, but, um, you know, just, just knowing that the seasons, the, the core of the season's over. I mean, you, you had told me the other day that, uh, you know, you haven't even shot a buck on your property yet. And I know you were kind of disappointed when you, when you said that, but like looking back on your season, um, what are some things that were unexpected and what are some things that went exactly the way you thought they were going to go? Well, I mean, I think anybody who's listening to us talk about what we call the Crickwoods property uh, knows that, you know, we see a lot of movement and, and relatively predictable movement. Um, not, not predictable from the standpoint of seeing the same bucks all the time, but predictable from the standpoint of at this time of year, you can expect to see mature bucks. And that, I mean, again, that held true. I mean, the cameras were really, really active basically, you know, from that third week of October through, you know, the first two weeks of November, um, there were just big mature bucks that funneled into this, this bottom and that are cruising all sides of these, these thick areas and looking for hot does. And so, um, from that standpoint, um, you know, that was validated. Um, and, and, and I saw some really, really good deer, um, I passed, I can't tell you how many two and a half year olds this year. Um, you know, I passed two or three different basket, eight points, so many six points. Um, I mean, there are so many one and a half and two year and a half year old deer that I just didn't even consider shooting this year. Um, whereas, you know, a, a prior me would have been, um, excited for that opportunity. So from that standpoint, I have to, I have to start to reflect and say, okay, these bucks are using this this area they're using the food plot they feel safe here all those things um and just you know those weren't the deer i was looking for um i think when i was talking to you i was a little disappointed because you know i've i documented all the stuff i did all summer and putting time into the food plots and trimming trails and, and all the things we did and you know i really i think anybody really likes to see that work pay off into a a big buck hitting the ground but um you know, the specific new parcel that I just bought that butts to the, to my parents' property, um, that 11 acres, I hunted, I had a hunt on that, on that property this November uh, on the 13th to be specific where I had an opportunity or an encounter with the single biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. Um, so from that standpoint, I mean, and we're talking about a probably mid one fifties, a mid one fifties, nine point. And, um, you know, and I, again, I'm not real big into score, but that just gives you some reference. I mean, it was just a really big wide deer, a lot of mass. And, um, 
you know, so I have to look at that and go, okay, you know, the things I did put mature bucks in the area. That same hunt, I saw one of the other big bucks I was, I was after all season. Uh, his name was, we deemed him splitter. Um, I saw him briefly and wasn't able to get a shot. Um, so I, I definitely had encounters, uh, had a couple opportunities and, um, for, for one reason or another, they did not work out, but you know, I've, I, I learned a ton more this season about how those deer want to use this property. Um, and I think that, you know, again, different podcasts, we'll get into it, but one of the biggest things that I need to focus on is betting. Um, you know, ideally I'd like to, to make bucks feel comfortable betting on my property, but at a minimum, I really have to add enough betting to where the does and a large number of does are betting on this property. Um, just to even further increase the buck traffic during, you know, during that pre-rut and rut phase. Um, I think, you know, the other single biggest contributor to some of the challenges I had this fall uh, were neighboring ag. So last year um, I was surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of acres of beans, which got picked and, uh, you know, I think they got picked before the end of October, maybe mid-October last year, and um, which really made my food plot a destination food source as we got into November there. Uh, this year, all of, all of that that was beans last year was corn this year, and that corn just, and some of it's still standing, but most of that corn just got picked second week of December here. So, um, you know, it's that, that played a huge contributing factor to you know, some of the challenges. Cause in a lot of ways, these deer are just living in the corn, it provides cover and food and they don't, they don't have a ton of reason, ton of reason to leave it. So that, that was tough. Um, but again, I, I learned from that. I think I, I've got a couple interesting spots on my property where I could put in, you know, an acre or two of corn here or there, which I think may help combat some of that. It offers them that food source. It's going to offer some additional cover, obviously not in the way that 300 acres of corn would, but I think, you know, in my mind, that's, that's one of the ways that I might try to, to mitigate some of that, those, those challenges is put in two to three, you know, acres of corn on my property. Um, and then whether, whether the neighboring properties are beans or corn, I still have that available to the deer. I think that may help a little bit. Um, but you know, the biggest thing I'm going to be focusing on is adding, adding another green food pot plot on a different spot of the property that I can hunt on different winds than I can hunt my current food plot and really, really focusing on hinge cutting and adding, um, thick bedding. Those are the things that I really need to focus on. And I've got some ideas on how to do it. And, and again, we'll get into all that, but, um, you know, if I reflect on the season, as much as I would have liked to to put a big buck on the ground and say, yeah, all my hard work paid off. Um, in a lot of ways, the hard work did pay off because I saw some really, really awesome deer. Yeah. I mean, the whole corn debacle, I mean, they just picked the corn, right? Just picked it. Like, like we are sitting here, like I said, recording this podcast on the 13th. I want to say they cut it. They started cutting it on the 9th, finished cutting a lot of it on the 10th. And then I hunted the morning of the 11th and sure enough saw, you know, saw bucks cruising through the swamp. So, um, you know, it definitely bumped them out of the cornfield and got them moving around. Oh yeah. I mean, 
one of the reasons that you and I love podcasting so much together is because it allows us to then go back and, and this is our journal, you know, this is, this is, this is our hunting journal that we can, we can actually glean information from, from years past. Right. So you saying that, I mean, this, this specific year in terms of agriculture in my area and in your area, um, and in Southern Michigan in general, I mean, it was a really odd year because of a lot of moisture that we accumulated. Um, we had, we had temperatures that were a little bit odd. I thought for, you know, like the harvest season, um, we had, we had so much rain and flooding that farmers just couldn't afford to pick fields because they couldn't get tractors through the fields. And, um, and I, I mean, I, I'm friends with some of the local people around here. I, I heard that lots of folks were actually, you know, outsourcing for these big track, um, you know, assemblies versus actual tires because it allowed you to get through fields better and harvest your, harvest your crop. So mm-hmm. I think that might be a little bit of what, um, the corn situation was for you maybe, but, um, I don't know. Is this, you think this is the first time I picked it this late? So again, last year it was beans. Um, and again, your point on this being our journal is, is so important because I can never remember unless I wrote down certain things, what year, you know, what's, what previous hunting seasons, you know, when it was corn, when it was beans, what was happening. I can't remember any of that. So being able to document this and look back and listen to these is going to be huge. But I know uh, if it wasn't two years ago, it might've been three years ago. I think it had to have been two years ago though. They left corn up into uh, maybe the first couple days of December, but never December 10th, 11th, anything like that. Um, Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm looking at some of these fields they just picked and there's just, you know, there's giant muddy ruts where they still buried the tractors. Um, but you know, we've had weird warmups and, you know, they had to get it out of there. And I think the the weather was a big contributing factor, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm surrounded by big, big fields. Um, you know, I, 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 my property backs up to a, to a swamp and timber system. That's all right along basically a, a creek bed and, you know, that creek bed going east and west, you know, flows kind of through surrounding ag. And there's just big fields that made up to it on, on all sides. And and I'm going to say 90% of it within a five-mile radius was corn. Well, and then, and then those corn fields, I mean, specifically your neighboring corn field, like there's nobody hunting behind those corn fields on that private property right, right? i mean right. you can't even act i mean if you wanted to if you wanted to hunt that you'd have to float the whole river to get to that specific spot yep. and it's just i just i think these deer i don't think i know like mature bucks they know seclusion and solitude in untouched unpressured areas when they see it i mean, I mean those are the areas i think these deer spend a lot of time you take out all that cover of corn you're thick, it becomes really, really enticing really quick. I think the other thing I want to mention too, on just some things I learned this season, as we got into later summer, early fall, I think I was kind of documented on here saying that I had moved a camera to a very specific location that I had found right on the edge of the creek where 
it was clear that the deer were stopping to drink water there, but it was also kind of an intersection of multiple trails. And I had been hearing and reading a lot of stuff that was talking about deer using, uh, using like creek beds and river bottoms uh, to travel. So if they're going to make a big switch from one end to the other end of their, what they would consider their home range, they do a lot of that long travel along a creek uh, because it, it just it provides additional security. Uh, they're really, you know, when they travel right along a creek, in general, you really only have to, you know, if you're the deer, you only have to focus about danger on one side. Uh, and it just allows them to feel a little safer. And I was testing that theory by putting this camera back there. And I got some really, really nice mature bucks doing exactly that, you know, in daylight too, just traveling right along this creek. Um, and, and one of those deer specifically, um, a friend of mine just harvested that deer yesterday. Um, probably as the crow flies a mile and a half away from where I got a, a picture of him. And that's another big thing that I learned is a lot of the mature deer that I got pictures of this year. Um, that same friend has gotten pictures of, of those same deer, you know, anywhere from a mile to two miles away on, on different properties. So, um, especially during the rut, these big bucks, um, you know, they're putting the miles on and trying to find those does. And, um, you know, I, I'm excited to, like I said, document everything I think I learned this season and hopefully have a big bean year next year and see, you know, I really want to compare and contrast because again, like I have had previous seasons with bean years and corn years, but probably didn't pay as much attention to the data and, and didn't document as much of how much I thought it impacted the hunt this year. You know, I've over-documented how much I think the corn affected the deer hunting and how it affected it. And I now want to like overlay that data on a, on a solid bean year and start to build a trend. Because I think if I can do that, then I can be a little bit more predictable with my approach um, on stand locations and tactics and access and all those things on a bean year versus a corn year, which may, you know, which may very well put me in the right stands. Um, when the big buck walks by, you know, just hearing you talk about that, we've talked about your corn so much together this year and how, um, I mean, it's, it's just so evident. I mean, it's so clearly evident, just so obvious as to a lot of your, it dictates a lot of the movement, right? I'm, I'm imagining all the things that are in beans this year for me. Like I'm imagining it, you know, next year. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I don't, I have no idea what to expect. Um, it's daunting. I, I really don't because it could, it could completely do, I mean, it could change a lot of things. It really yep. could. And um, I had, you know, I had some corn in the back on both sides of a small sliver that I owned. I had corn on both sides of that. And, um, uh, the day that they picked, they picked, they picked the corn on November 7th that morning. Mm -hmm. And I went out and saw one of the biggest bucks, um, since the Holy spirit, it was walking around. I saw one of the biggest bucks by far that night, um, that I missed. I posted a video of already on, on our Instagram page, painted arrow outdoors. <laughs> if you want to <laughs> go to see me miss a nice buck, um, that was that night. And, um, yeah, just thinking about crop rotation, and Devin and I are always plotting and scheming, folks. I mean, we, we're bringing things to you that we know that you don't know yet, um, but we are going to do it. 
And it's so cool for us. I mean, we're, we're being so open with our properties and uh, just our experiences to help you guys understand deer movement and deer um, behavior better. And um, a lot of what we're going to be doing this off season, I mean, it's, it's so exciting. I mean, it's going to be so exciting to do some of these projects that we have planned and bring it to you guys, show you guys what we're doing. And then in the long run, help you to do it. Mm-hmm. We, uh, I mean, it's just, it's the coolest thing. And, and like I said, these podcasts are just as valuable for us as they are for you, but well, in a lot of ways, like we're learning something and sharing it with you within like days of us, you know, having these quote unquote epiphanies, you know, we're not coming to you as experts and saying, Hey, this is, you need, you need to do this. You need to do that. I mean, more than anything, it's, Hey, I just had this experience. Here's what I think I learned from it. And, you know, maybe you guys learn from that too. I think that's the cool thing. Um, and I think at one point during the season, Nate, we were talking so much about how I thought the corn was affecting my hunting that I was like, maybe I'm just overthinking it and maybe I need to just get over myself. And then they picked it on the 10th and I hunted the the morning of the 11th. And you're like, dude, you're going to shoot a big buck this morning. I know it. And, and I was hunting with my buddy Ryan and, you know, sure enough, within 20 minutes of, of shooting light, we had two bucks, you know, feed right through the swamp where we hadn't seen many deer all year. Um, so, you know, that, that had to validate that for me actually took a shot at one of the bucks. I think he was one of the, one of the call bucks I had had on camera earlier in the year, had a, had a really good, um, big, you know, big frame on his left side and was all jacked up on his right side. Um, it was kind of a hail Mary. It was a long shot and he was way out in the middle of the swamp. And I don't know if I, I pulled it or if I just, you know, hit some, hit some stuff or what, but it was, he was through some thick stuff and I didn't end up, uh, it was a clean mess. I didn't end up hitting him, but, um, but just to validate that, uh, but yeah, I mean, within 24 hours of them picking that corn, I've got bucks, you know, feeding through the property again. It was just, I don't know. It was, uh, it was a data point more than anything. Yeah. I mean, we, we've kind of beaten it to a pulp, but the whole picking of the corn thing, I mean, I mean, there's, I don't think there's a, there could be a coincidence, but think about it. You got hundreds of acres of corn, cover, food, deer habitat, deer bedding, all those things. Mm-hmm. You cut that out and you got this open, vast landscape. The deer aren't going to go that far in one night, right? Mm-hmm. Odds are it's holding quite a few quite a few deer in there. And these deer are just going somewhere nearby for the night. And they're going to come back to that area to feed on that corn. Heck yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it happened for you, those bucks cruising that, that creek bottom. I guarantee you they're bedding over on the other side of that uh, on the other side of that road and just coming back to, to see what was going on because that's where they've spent the last three weeks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, I guess this is the last thing I'll say about crop rotation. If all of the stuff that was corn this year is beans next year, the thing I'm predicting is that I will have a lot better summer photos this year than I had last year. And that's because for most of the summer, the primary food source for those deer are the beans when they're all green and everything. Mm-hmm. And they're going to bed nearby and near those. Mm-hmm. I, I would be a destination bedding spot if all of the stuff that was corn this year is beans next year. But this summer, there wasn't a whole lot of beans around, which is I, I'm hypothesizing. That's why I didn't have a lot of velvet um, 
you know, photos of, of bucks because there just weren't a lot living on my property because there wasn't a ton of food options, you know, right nearby. That's so interesting, dude. I mean, I know the property better than people listening, but it's like, there's the fact that it was a corn year. I can't even think mm-hmm. of the closest bean field. I really can't. There was just the, the small one across the street. But aside from that, there was, um, like, I'm t- like I told you, I think within a five mile radius, almost there was no beans. It may, maybe three to maybe three miles. Yeah. Wow. But it was all, it was all corn. Yeah. So if, if, if it's beans next year, like I said, more than, more than what I think it's going to do for my hunting, I'm excited to just overlay that over fresh data from a, a corn year and see how different the pattern is. Really quickly. So this buck we call Bane. Yeah. So, so I guess I should say that the, the buck that I had the encounter with on the 13th biggest buck I've seen in my life, I had him at 29 yards, um, kind of quartering to me and some thick stuff. Um, and there was just no shot. And by the time he was getting to the gap where I was going to kill him, um, my, my thought is that the wind swirled because he was not downwind, but he caught a whiff of something, bounded a couple times, kind of looked around, didn't know what, what there was. He didn't bust me. He just caught a whiff of something and didn't like it. But, um, we've gone on to name that deer Bane. And that was on the 13th. I got photos of him an hour after that encounter on the other side of the farm um on the 13th i then got photos of him on the 18th coming out of a bedding area on my property uh, which would have been three days after the gun opener and he was still alive and then a good buddy of mine um or a buddy of mine got a photo of him what was that nate like december 9th Mm -hmm. just a couple days ago so here we are mostly through the season and that deer is still alive. So I will be really, really working towards finding that deer's sheds and trying to hunt that deer next year, assuming he makes it all the way through. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off on what you were going to say about him specifically, but I had forgot that I even didn't really introduce him or give him a name. And, uh, that deer's we're calling that deer Bane. So no, no, that's, 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 you know, that's kind of what I was going towards is just giving a little more detail. Cause I know you talked about them a little bit, but I mean, this is the type of deer in the area that we're in that you lose sleep over, you know what I mean? So, um, oh, yeah. the fact that you had them at, I mean, the video, <laughs> the video that Devin has of this deer <laughs> coming in and I mean, I mean, it'll gut you. <laughs> like Devin was going to kill this buck. I mean, I don't know how to tell you any other way. I mean, it was going to happen. And it's just, it's just something to keep you up at night. I mean, the steer walks in completely, you know, upwind of you. You're safe. Your wind's safe. And oh, God. I mean, you can just see the tip of this deer's nose kind of come around this tree. And then he just turns around and bounds away and just didn't like something, just something yeah. he didn't like. And I, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens with this deer. I think no matter who ends up taking him, I think it's going to be, I think we'll find out, I think how this deer dies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's the cool thing is, uh, the gentleman I've been talking about, you know, kind of a, a more recent acquaintance. Um, but it's cool to, to be sharing photos with him because, you know, if nothing else, we both get to know who we get to, we both get to see and know about the deer when it goes down, which is cool. Um, and you know, 
before this year, I wasn't real committed or good at running cameras. Like last year, I, I half-assed ran, you know, two cameras, maybe one to two cameras at a time. This year I had kind of five in rotation on, on really, you know, much better spots. And, um, you know, this is by far the first time I've ever gotten consistent, even remotely consistent or multiple pictures of a deer or been able to pattern a deer at all. So, you know, if I, if I'm able to get pictures of Bain again next year, um, that is going to be such a win for me in terms of my evolution as a hunter, uh, to be able to just start patterning deer. I mean, it's just, it's, it's challenging. And, uh, especially when I've got, you know, my property is, like I said, is, is a crossing property. There's nothing that really keeps them living there. So to be able to try to pattern a deer on a property like that, like I'm going to have to put my best foot forward with, with adding habitat and bedding and, and reasons for him to show up there more frequently. hundred percent. So, but it's exciting. And like I said, as, as much as I have lost sleep over that video, cause I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've watched it and just seen how close I was to sealing a deal on that deer. Um, I have to now look at it and just be so grateful for that encounter because it is, I mean, it's a world-class whitetail in my opinion. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, a t- <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the type of deer you, you lose sleep over the, I mean, I think that deer has 11 inch brow tines. That's what I keep telling everybody. I, I mean, it is, it's an impressive deer. I've had people come up to me after this video has been released to the Holy spirit. And they say, man, you're revealing way too much information. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, of what? Like, what, what are we revealing that? I mean, people get stupid, dumb over big bucks. Yeah. But I mean, I just feel like what we're doing and talking about mature deer and how to hunt them the right way. I don't think there's any other, I mean, I don't know any other way to do it. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. We're talking about a passion of ours. Um, you know, something that, that is holistic. It's, it's definitely rewarding. I mean, you get to physically and you get to taste the results of something like this. Like, I don't know for us to be shining light on our experiences on world-class animals. I just feel like it's, it's our, it's our responsibility in a way to, to continue the sport. Cause you and I both know it's, it's not like it's a, a given that we get to hunt like this. I mean, we're, we're privileged and we have a, we have a country that, you know, manages wildlife in a way that it's pretty amazing. And, um, I don't know, just, just being able to bring, bring cool photos and stories and footage of, of these deer. is just, it's so cool. It is just un- unbelievable. It's worth it. I mean, and, you know, for somebody to say that you're revealing too much, you know, if you, if, if, if you have a neighbor that ends up finding out about a deer that you're pursuing and hunts it because of something we brought, um, you know, brought to light, then yeah, that, that sucks that you got some additional competition, but in a way you're, you're also bringing someone to the sport, um, you know, I think that does as much good as it does quote unquote bad for your ability to kill the deer. And you and I are both, you and I both love competition. And so you can, <laughs> you, you can reveal, you, you can reveal too much information, but nothing you reveal is going to give somebody permission to go hunt your stands on your property. You know what I mean? Like you still have, you, you control the controllables and you know, that it is what it is. Um, I, I, like you said, I think we're doing this in a really honest way. 
And I think this is, uh, I mean, I don't know how to do it any other way than what we're doing. Yeah. So kind of as a, a teaser slash, you know, I, I just kind of mentioned that Devin and I are working on a lot of things to bring to you guys. I mean, we, we truly are working on, um, we're juggling so many different things right now that it just, it makes me giddy, um, to just think about, but we're bringing products and services to you very, very, very soon. Mm-hmm. And, um, we just, we want our listeners to, to hear this firsthand because we really do think this podcast is a valuable way of, you know, spending our time and thoughts and documenting. So we really do, uh, we do appreciate anybody who's listening to this. It's, it's fun for us to do. And, um, like I said, there's a lot of really cool things that are coming. Yeah, I think you got to tease it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we, like Nate said, we get as much out of this as you guys do. Um, and one thing in particular and kind of on the product sector or side that Nate's talking about is, you know, we've created something, I don't want to tease it too much, but we've created something that we really think, uh, is going to make anybody that buys it a better hunter. And, um, and we're just, we're excited to, to get it in the hands of you guys and get feedback. And then, you know, from that feedback make edits and advancements to this thing. And, you know, you guys are going to help us, you know, create this thing. And, and, and we, you know, we've obviously already created it, but we're so eager to get feedback and I'm just excited to see what, uh, what you guys think. So we're like Nate, Nate said, that's coming soon. We've also got some, some announcements coming soon. I'm, you know, kind of more the service side type deal. So stay tuned. Um, you know, and, and as always with everything, please share your feedback. It's valued and we appreciate it. Yeah. And you can do that in a number of ways. Lots of people choose to just message us on social media, which is totally cool. Or you can go to our website, which we've put a lot of energy into, which is pretty up to date. It's pretty awesome. Uh, it's painted arrow And then there's a contact tab at the top and you can just talk to us through there. So so yeah, I mean, I think that kind of wraps up. I think what we wanted to get across today, um, the season's definitely not over, Devin. I have a feeling that you're still going to shoot a buck. I mean, I don't know if you're planning <laughs> on going out anymore, but I feel like it's just now getting to that time. We'll see. I might, I might still get out there with the bow. Uh, the other thing I didn't, I don't know if we mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I've got a new baby boy at home, and. Uh, you know, after a long season, I'm excited to spend some time with him. He he came on actually the second day of rifle season. And uh, my lovely wife, you know, still allowed me to get quite a bit of hunting in after his arrival. So, you know, as much as I am still excited to, to get in the stand, I'm also kind of excited to really spend more time reflecting on the season and spend some time with him and uh, enjoy the holidays too. So, Absolutely. Well, I guess my closing thought um... – we already said it, but very excited for what's to come for Painted Arrow. Um, I have this idea that I just thought of at the beginning, Devin, okay, about the whole Holy Spirit being measured thing. Yeah. And I'm going to just say it on here because I'm planning on publishing this here, like, immediately. But here's mm-hmm. here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen, okay? I'm going to go right now. I'm going to record a video of the Holy Spirit in my hands the rack Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whoever can get the closest to the score to the eighth 
because I'm going to have it officially measured this week. Gross score. Gross score, not net. Gross score using total inches. Total inches. Yep. Here's here's a here's an example of a of a submission. 121 inches and three eighths. That would be mm-hmm. a that would be a, an an acceptable and legitimate guess. Not legitimate for this year, but like that would be a legitimate guess, right? For, format wise, that's that's what you're looking for. Yes. Yes. So whoever whoever gets closest, they're gonna win a limited edition look back at it T-shirt. Ooh. And we just got some of these in, and they're pretty sweet. And you'll see why it is sweet if you go look at our post on Painted Arrow Outdoors. But it's a picture of the Holy Spirit buck that I got in velvet that we actually got a, a we actually hired an artist to draw Jeez. this picture. Paid a gal. Paid her. We paid her money. We paid her our hard-earned money to paint this deer. She gave it to us in a file, and we had it put on a T-shirt, and it says, look back at it, and you will win that T-shirt, whoever gets the closest to this score. That's what we're going to do. What do you think of that, Dev? I like that a whole bunch. I do, too. I do, too. That's my closing thought. So, like Nate said, we'll put that out on uh, on social media. Um Nate, when do you want to have the uh, the entries in by? When do you want to close it? I think we should close it. Um, probably be Thursday, or no? I'm sorry, it'll be it'll have to be uh, yeah Thursday. All right, Thursday at, at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Get your entries in before then. You'll be entered to win a look back at it limited edition T-shirt. Um, maybe we'll tease a sneak peek of what that shirt looks like here. Um, but yeah, closest. Closest gross score on the Holy Spirit to the eighth. Nate Nate will make sure he you know posts all the details and shows you you know the rack, gets you a good look at everything, so you can put your best guess out there. And uh, yeah, good luck to you. I love it. Alrighty, December thirteenth. That's today. We are wrapping it up. Thank you for listening along, and we will catch you on the next one. We'll be on the pursuit.